Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we talk with Arlen Suderman from FC Stone. Lots of things happening in the marketplace. Some negativity going on. We saw some lower numbers in the corn and the beans. It was some higher numbers for the wheat on the day. We'll get to the livestock coming up. But first, I think a lot of folks, Arlen, were, were talking about the weekly NAS report that came out yesterday a day late because of the holiday and and no surprise they said things were were slow because we saw the weather move in that hasn't even really been factored in yet uh, to this report but what were some flags that you saw as you read through that weekly crop report well the biggest thing I was looking for was how would it respond to the weekend winter storm that we had in the western midwest now, heavy snows had fallen on Friday and Saturday in the Dakotas. Those can, pretty much came as expected, up to 30 inches of snow, high winds for an extended period of time. But then the cold behind it really swept down into Kansas and Colorado across much of Missouri and then east and really went much further east than what was expected. We had frost damage all the way across the Midwest into Pennsylvania and as far south as Louisville, even a little bit south of there. So extensive frost damage through the weekend. How much of that would be reflected? Because we had a lot of crops that were still immature. Now, having been someone who used to fill out these reports, I know that some of them get um, submitted electronically the morning of the report. Others can sometimes get filled out on Friday before leaving work. And so I thought some may have done that before the three-day holiday weekend uh, for the government employees. So I was curious what would happen. I was a little bit taken back when soybean ratings actually went up and corn made a very small move. That was a little puzzling to me. I expected a little bit more of an adjustment. I know it takes time to really know the extent of losses. But I figured there'd be enough people submitting the report on Tuesday morning that would have had a sense for the amount of freeze damage that happened. And even though the reports are as of Sunday officially, there's still that human psychology effort in there, uh, factor in there. Uh, so I was really surprised by that. But breaking it down, uh, it really comes down to most of the states did kind of move as I expected, did see the declines where I expected, one exception. South Dakota saw a sharp increase in its crop ratings. That was a little bit puzzling to me because South Dakota was, well, North Dakota, I guess you'd say, was really ground zero. South Dakota was the next thing closest to ground zero of the storm. So uh, USDA pretty much shuts down their phone lines when they release this report each week. So I did send an email, and I did get an email back saying, no, we checked it, and South Dakota's ratings are, are fine. It's just that it didn't affect all the crops in South Dakota. That's why the ratings went up. I don't buy that. I think that's a pat answer. Um, I'm not sure what happened in South Dakota, but it does tell me the rest of the states did pretty much what they expected, and I'd anticipate that we'll see a, a notable downward adjustment in South Dakota's ratings next Monday when they update their weekly reports. And and I think we'll probably see ratings decline across the board for corn and soybeans next week. You can definitely believe that's going to be a closely watched report as that information comes out. As I hear in the background right now, a combine going down the road. We know that guys are going to take advantage of these next couple of days as you kind of put on your agronomy hat as well to, to get this stuff done before the next storm system moves in. 
Yeah, we've got another storm system moving in, and, and the models are differing about how far north or south the main low is going to go, and so therefore how far south the rain is going to be coming. But we do overall have kind of some open days to get some field work done. And then the longer-range models, the European weekly model in particular, really goes back to a much more active pattern for the month of November. So this is very concerning. Usually we really tend to dry out in the fall and allow the harvest to take place. And my concern is now that uh, what we don't get done here soon, we're going to struggle to get done, particularly for the heavier soils where mud is a problem. Um, this harvest could really delay and as a result, it may be a long time before we really know what the size of this year's crop is and what the final effects of the freeze are that we did encounter here over the past week. If I remember right, you said this could be results that we may not see until 2020. Exactly right. And if we go back to 2009, we had a very late crop cut short by a freeze. Corn went dry. A lot of that corn went in the bin wet, low test weight, very similar to this year. We're seeing low test weights in a lot of places across the Midwest and had to go through the dryer several times. Uh, and then when it, all of a sudden in June, the June 30th stocks report, we had a bullish surprise coming in stocks about 500 million bushels less than expected. We had record consumption reported during that quarter of the marketing year comes down to the corn had less energy, less starches in it, took more to grind for ethanol to get the gallons, took more to feed the livestock to get the pounds of gain, and we had a lot of shrinkage in the bin. And so it wasn't until June until we knew really what had happened with the crop. Looking at, uh, obviously, the delays that we're seeing here in harvest, my understanding is we're seeing some delays in planting in South America. We are, and right now we're expecting that the rains are going to come and the soybeans will get planted and they'll probably have a normal soybean crop. But the real concern of farmers there is that'll push back to safrina corn planting and threaten next year's safrina corn crop, which would reduce their exports of corn next year. Looking at what's uh, coming up, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we continue the Fontenelle Final Bell into Part 2. Talk a little bit about China, where we're seeing these negotiations. Talk some interesting turn of information. And uh, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag, but we'll talk about Bloomberg and how it may or may not have affected some of the trade we saw earlier this week. We'll look at the happenings of the livestock side as well. More is coming up. It is the Wednesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Arlen Suderman continues to join us from FC Stone. As we left uh, before the commercial break, kind of talking a little bit about the, the China negotiations that we knew happened on Friday. We heard some rumblings over the weekend. Now, interesting story. You, you talk about uh, this Bloomberg story with some maybe some false information in it, Arlen. Well, you know, careful with false, but uh, it certainly was misleading. We saw on Tuesday morning the markets had been trying to rally overnight, and and it was during the 5 o'clock hour that a Bloomberg headline hit the markets. And the markets have really been sensitive to headlines here this year, and especially through the summer and into the fall. And the headline in the lead couple paragraphs of the story, which is often all that a lot of people read, 
would seem to insinuate that things are falling apart between U.S. and Chinese negotiators after the big Friday announcement. And uh, there was talk about how China was now saying they wanted more tariffs lifted before they would buy and, and uh, that the two sides didn't see things the same way and stuff like that. When you read down deeper in the article, it's basically saying that private buyers in China were correctly stating that we cannot buy as long as China's tariffs are on U.S. commodities, and China's not likely to lift those tariffs until the U.S. starts to lift tariffs. And and that's correct, but most of the buying is being done by state buyers. State buyers who what pay themselves the tariffs, it's, it's essentially a non-item. And Sinograin is, is China's biggest grain reseller inside of China. Same with pork. So they can buy lots of commodities without lifting the tariffs or without uplifting the tariffs. And then buried at the very, near the very end of the article was one quote of somebody from the Chinese side of the negotiating team who said, no, the U.S. team's assessment of the talks was, quote, accurate. And China and the United States negotiating teams are very close to each other in our understanding of the issues and in an agreement. So at the bottom of the story was buried the truth that there really isn't a problem between China and the United States in regards to the talks that happened last week. But the story led the impression that things were falling apart and the markets have never recovered from that story coming out corn and soybeans in particular, which are expected to be most impacted by a potential trade agreement. It just shows that how much this market relies and reacts, I should say, to any sort of headline, whether it's, you know, print, media, whatever sort, and, and tweets. It really is. I mean, algo traders make up the majority of them. Those are computer trades. And they make up the majority of the trade volume. Some of them are purely driven by technical signals. Some of them read headlines and make trades off of that. Some of them read social media, read Twitter uh, quotes and make decisions off of that. So that really does make a big difference. It's a, it's a really, a, there's billions of dollars behind those computers and it has changed the way our markets manage supply and demand. Supply and demand still does matter. Not so much in the short run, but in the long run it will. So, I, you know, we may not like this system, but it is a system we have. And uh, if we're patient, it will manage supply and demand. Let's jump over to the livestock side. African swine fever, that and the exports to China, all kind of fingering in to this hog market. <clears throat> they really are. And uh, some of the latest data has come out of China now showing just how bad things are getting. 60 to 70 percent of the of the hog herd has been reduced by African swine fever or the fear of it. We think actual pork production is still only down about 45 percent because they're raising their hogs to about 20 percent over previously considered normal weights. Uh, because of the high margins, it's just profitable to do so. We know that the rate of gain is less efficient at those high weights, so that's causing those hogs that are still alive to eat more corn, eat more soy meal. And so that's helping to reduce the negative effect on feed demand that we're seeing from the dead hogs. Um, 
the farms are trying to restock and they're having an 80 to 90 percent failure rate when they restock because they're restocking too quickly because of these high margins and china continues to ramp up its purchases and we think this is just going to continue on through the fourth quarter and next year and um, that there's good things coming for the u.s protein industry seeing a stronger cattle market as well on a on a wednesday yeah, cash market's pretty strong. The online exchange today saw um, all the pins uh, basically offered 111 and turn it down. So that suggests that uh, the industry expects uh, firmer cash prices again this week. All right, sounds good, Arlen. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? INTLFCStone.com or over on Twitter at twitter.com slash ArlenFF101. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. You can find this as a podcast as well, not only through our website or wherever you find your favorite podcast. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.